Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is Tracy Velt, Senior Director of Data and Content, to talk about the next class action commission lawsuit, which targets defendants across the United States and where the fines could be tens of billions of dollars. Tracy, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. Happy to talk to someone who is, you know, we spent decades in the uh, covering real estate <laughs> and we couldn't get any more impactful than the last couple of weeks. You know, a week ago, right, we had the uh, decision come down in the Sitzer Burnett trial. The same day, the lead attorney for the plaintiffs, right, filed another lawsuit on behalf of three new home sellers. Um, now we're going to call that the Gibson trial, right? or the Gibson lawsuit. And that case targets NAR again. And, you know, the brokerages Compass, EXP, Redfin, Weikert, United Real Estate, Howard Hanna, and Douglas Elements. So first, give me your, you know, give me your take on why those, why he grouped those together in the second one. Um, my opinion on why they grouped those together is if you look at the rankings of the largest real estate brokerages, um, they're basically going down the line and, um, you know, picking, picking them. Now they did skip some. It's possibly because those companies, um, I don't know, maybe they didn't think they had enough money. Maybe they weren't doing transactions in that area. I don't know the answer to that. So, um, but I thought this one is really interesting, um, mainly because of Redfin, now, what they're saying about Redfin is even though Glenn Kelman has been a very vocal advocate of transparency with real estate commissions, they're kind of known as, he doesn't like the word discount, but like a low fee brokerage on the selling side. And he's been very outspoken about how he has to provide a certain buyer agent commission or that the homes won't get, won't get shown. Um, so it's interesting that they're part of this, but the they're, the lawsuit is basically saying, well, just because you've spoken out about it doesn't mean you've done anything about it. You still participated in it. Um, and they did recently withdraw from NAR in some of the areas that they are able to do so, which is only is about 50% of um, the areas that they cover. But Basically, they're saying that Redfin um, was compliant regardless of what they stood for and regardless of the um, low commission on the selling side. And, you know, at the heart of this is the claim that there is, was, is a conspiracy among between, you know, the National Association of Realtors and these different companies to make sure that buyers agents get paid a certain amount, right? Yeah, I think that's really the crux of it. Based on some of the agreements, like the um, the DOJ, their amendment to the Nozlik, uh MLS PIN case, were they were basically saying that it's all about the seller seller's agent or listing agent determining the amount of compensation that um, there. That's what there really seems to be that their their biggest issue with all of this and i think 
basically, I'm going to read this. Um, their protest said, and this is from Rob Hahn, um, notorious ROB, to the contrary, rules such as those presented may merely perpetuate an antitrust violation through slightly modified means. That MLS PIN's proposed rule changes still establish an elaborate protocol regulating buyer broker commissions, including requiring the listing broker to initially set the total amount of compensation offered. Um, Thus, MLS PIN would continue to organize and facilitate brokers' blanket unilateral offers of compensation to buyer brokers. To me, that's basically saying the DOJ wants them completely separate, that the buyer's agent compensation is completely separate from the listing agent's compensation. Um, Who pays that can be negotiated, but... It sounds to me like they're really they're really moving toward completely separating that and the buyers paying for the buyer's agent compensation. Yeah, I agree with you that that really is the crux of the issue. You know, going back to Redfin, um, they feel like, you know, uh, we did a story recently uh, on their earnings and then talked about, you know, how they were feeling about this. And, you know, they said like that. Um, not only should they not be part of this because they they don't operate that way, but also um, that they'll be well positioned um, if this ruling does come down. That they'll still be well positioned to you know have buyers sort of self serve, right? Yeah, um, I mean that is what they're saying. That um, you know, Glenn has always advocated for transparency, and they did make a change that there doesn't have to be a buyer agent fee or buyer agent commission. Um, you know, but again, like I said, they the lawsuit is saying that they still participated in it, and because they had to participate in it, that it's a conspiracy because otherwise those homes would have been shown. I don't know how. I, I can't tell you whether that's true or not. Um, as far as the data goes, I think we just recently did something showing that that they that agents do tend to only show the homes that offered full buyer's agent commission. But in a low inventory market, it's very, very difficult to do that. Um, even if the you know the buyer has been searching through Zillow or Realtor.com or Homes.com and they find some houses they want to see, um, there aren't that many available. So the agent basically is going to show those homes because they want to get a property sold, obviously, especially in this market. Um, I mean, I guess it's possibly different in a high inventory market, but we haven't really experienced one of those for a while now. So, um, so I'm not really, I'm not really sure. I know that, um, with my, when I sold a property a long, long time ago, I was in my thirties and I knew to negotiate the commission. I negotiated with the agent. Um, she ended up bringing the buyer And so she got both sides of the transaction. And I mean, my house got a lot of showings. So, and and so the buy side commission would have been less than what they say is traditional. So from my personal experience, that has, that did not happen. Um, But 
I'm not really, you know, she did end up taking both sides of the transaction, but they were showing it to people that she wasn't working with. Well, and I, you know, so the study that that we um, talked about in a Data Digest article, right? It was um, it was done by uh, True Footage. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. One of the researchers that did it, um, he was a senior data scientist at appraisal tech startup True Footage. He had previously worked at Rex, which is a really different kind of defunct discount brokerage now, right? That charged seller fees as low as 2.5% and relied on salaried agents rather than commission paid agents. And it was his deep dive into that. And and also the um, he had like a lot of uh, conversations that have been recorded with agents calling into Rex, you know, saying, okay, we don't see you on the MLS, you know, um, my, my client's interested in your house and Rex telling him, oh, hey, you know, we don't have a buyer's, you know, we're not going to pay a buyer agent fee. And they're like, you know, and, and their reaction, all these other agents reaction was part of what fed into this study. Yeah, I mean, um, Rex doesn't exactly have a sterling reputation in the the real estate uh, industry because they they did stir up a lot of what's going on now, although the commissions have been, they didn't do all of it um, because commissions have been looked at for years and years and years before Rex was ever, ever around. Um, and I, you know, I don't know the details of all, of all that study. I, again, it's certainly possible, and, but it's, it is hard to do in a low inventory market as well. Yeah. And, and I think that I, so I got a lot, I did a podcast on this last week. And of course we, we published this last week and I have gotten a lot of agent feedback that felt like that study or, or what we presented of that study didn't make the argument necessarily that yes, there's a correlation, but is there a causation? Because it was looking at how many, um, how much traffic, um, you saw these, these different listings get. And they were like, you know, there could be a lot of reasons for that. So I wanted to bring that up because because some people felt like we hadn't given them the right, you know, that we hadn't really given enough time, airtime to like why this could be besides the fact that buyers agents were, were um, you know, steering. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, there are a lot of reasons why, again, in a low inventory market or in, in the past market, the COVID market. I mean, you were getting multiple offers for every property, and um, I don't know that they were discriminating against, like, if you weren't paying the buyer commission, are you still going to put in an offer? Because what they'll do is they'll negotiate that, um, you know, you know, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't, like I said, I don't really know. I was not the one who dug into that data. I'm just talking my personal experience with it. Um, that did not happen. But there are states too that are MLS only states, meaning like Florida, Colorado, where you can join the MLS only. You don't have to join the association. Now, what um, the flip side of that is that they can charge whatever they want. So you can you can charge the same to be an MLS only, which they call a Thompson broker in Florida. You can be... Um, as you would to join the association. Um, but that's capitalism, right? I mean, that's a free market, um, what, what you charge, but it is possible to do that. I don't know about Colorado. I do know that um, I 
believe that really the association hasn't lost members due to that. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't choose that, they, but why they don't choose that might be just the cost is the same. Why not take the rest of the benefits with when you, when you join, right? Well, and, you know, we don't know even what some of the implications were. We know that there was a huge fine levied against these companies that were found guilty of conspiracy, but we don't know what happens now, right? Because we haven't heard from the judge. We don't know what the exact injunctions will be. And so it's kind of hard to know what happens. But um, we had the CEO of EXP, uh, again, uh, third quarter earnings, which uh, said, you know, he expressed concern about low income home buyers who may not be able to afford representation if the rules change too much. And and the whole thing is we don't know if the rules are going to change so much. We, we don't know what's going to happen, which is lending a whole air of uncertainty to this. We do know that the REMAX and Anywhere settlements have a preliminary hearing November 20th. So we'll know more about those settlements and um, whether they'll get approved or not. And I assume that after that is when we will see what the judge is determining as far as if they're getting an, giving an injunction or not. The interesting thing is if it's really just about the fine and not changing the practice, well, what does that mean? You know, it's pretty obvious what that means. And going after the next grouping of large um, brokerage firms, both independent, um, I think they're all independent. Uh, So yeah, going after them next is just kind of, um, I guess, ironic if it really is just about the fine. Well, if it's just about the fine, it just feels like, you know, what's the point of this? Yes. Okay. So, so, you know, your individual uh, person in the class action suit is going to get, you know, X amount of money. You know, he, uh, the lawyer for the plaintiffs made a big deal about like, imagine them opening their mailbox and seeing this, you know, getting this check, this refund, which is what he wants to talk about it as. Um, and he swayed the jury, right? I mean, they bought his, uh, his version of this. I wasn't there for all of the testimony. I was just there for closing arguments and the verdict. So hard for me to say, but who really got a lot of money out of this is the lawyers, right? No surprise that the rest of that day he filed more because, you know, how much did he make off of that settlement? Crazy. Um, so Remax and Anywhere look really smart to take their settlements early, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, hoping they get approved um, because one of the things that that I know has been debated a little bit is whether – franchises joining right now, like whether whether companies joining to franchise with either of them right now are covered because the settlement hasn't been approved? Um, and will they be covered from liability if they join after? Um, it's not completely clear, but I think Rob did it. Rob Hahn did an analysis that kind of, it appears as if definitely they would be covered if they joined before this settlement is final. Um, even if they joined a couple weeks ago, but then after they might not be completely, um, covered by the settlement, um, terms, but it's hard to know. It really is hard to know. Regardless of any of it, I do think that the industry is going to make changes, even if not required to make changes. Um, because of course they, you know, the industry has been very 
consumer friendly or, you know, advocates for, for consumers as far as lob from lobbying efforts and that by the associations, um, and private property rights and, and that. Um, I don't think that they want to face another, another, you know, set of lawsuits like this. Um, It'll be interesting. I do think that Glenn Sanford from EXP is correct. I mean, if we completely um, separate the commissions and you're a buyer and you have to pay this fee, either buyer's agents are going to charge a very low fee to be able to do it um, and give limited service. And I don't even know whether it would be a representation or not. Or you will have um, some kind of new loan products where they can roll in that amount into the into the loan, or um, you're going to price people out of the market um, because they just won't be able to get the down payment together plus uh, a fee, or they're going to not use a buyer's agent, um, which there was a huge move years ago. And that's the irony of all of this. There was a huge move years ago that... Uh, and buyer's agents weren't that um, common years and years ago. And there was this huge move that someone needed to represent the client, you know, represent the buyer. And there was nobody to represent the buyer. It was the listing agent and the buyer was unrepresented um, because they would go to the listing agent and the listing agent represented the the seller and not the buyer. And so there was this big move to move to buyer representation for this very reason, to protect the buyer in the transaction. Um, again, there's different states have different rules on their agent on agency. It's not a blanket nationwide um, rule who represents whom in the transaction. Um, like I said, Florida is a transaction brokerage state, so there's no direct representation of the seller or of the buyer. Um, it's it's to you're representing the transaction and um, facilitating it. So, but you can still be a buyer's agent. You can still have a signed agreement and represent a buyer in Florida. You just have to disclose that and get a, get a, um, there's a separate um, disclosure that has to be filled out and contract that has to be signed. So it's kind of ironic that this push to, um, you know, get buyer's representation is now being pushed back on um, as being unfair. So, yeah. I mean, I said it last week and I, and I still feel this way that it's, it, it was shocking to me because to me, the injury was not proved because these same people, these same plaintiffs, they, they, they list out their transactions and they had been on the buy side and gotten that, you know, benefit when they were on the buy side. So I think that that's really unusual. And you, you wonder, I mean, obviously this, this case um, that was just decided, Sitzer Burnett, sets a precedent. Um, in some ways, right? Like that jury found it, but you wonder if, if someone else will, but this is a much bigger case potentially, right? This is, that was just Missouri for a certain amount of time. This is nationwide. And so they, you know, we think it could be tens of billions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, if the settlement agreements are approved, I don't know that this one will go to court. Um, if there, if there's in, in even, Honestly, if you look at the the settlements, um, it still kind of appears to be all about money. I mean, a lot of the things that they're planning on doing, I believe, are things that are already shifting in the industry anyway. 
Um, and they were really smart because, you know, they are willing to make those changes. And, uh, and the DOG did have a settlement with NAR a a while ago, you know, and they had to do certain things and NAR did those things and they're, they're still, um, in play today. And even though the DOJ reneged on that settlement, um, so there's a there's a lot to still understand, but right now it's really business as usual for agents and um, and for brokers. Although they definitely need to be wary and and really work on transparency and buyer representation agreements and training agents on the transaction and training them on those conversations that they're likely to get which is, hey, I heard about this lawsuit and that I don't have to pay this commission and, you know, and, and really learn how to negotiate, um, you know, what they're getting paid and, because they're going to get those questions. They really are. So, you know, you mentioned NAR and obviously they're at the center of this case, right? National Association of Realtors, the largest trade association in America, like 1.5, 1.6 million uh, members. And they're really at the heart of this. And, I, I, you know, what was very surprising was that they didn't even have the, the plaintiff's attorney last week kept saying, you know, the rule itself show that there's a conspiracy. It's the rule. And then he changed some other things uh, about that. But um, it is in writing, right? It, it says something. But, you know, obviously the uh, defendants, you know, argue that that's not what the rule said and there wasn't a conspiracy. What do you feel like, you know, the fallout is for NAR and all this? We've already, you know, they they uh, um, changed CEOs. Uh, Bob Goldberg is out, understandably, after this giant settlement against them. What do you think the prospects are for them? Um, well, First of all, I I would also compare it to, and it's a little different than than gas prices. But you got to think like, what if you're you're gas? You know, you got two gas stations across the street from each other. One raises their prices or lowers their prices. Generally, the one across the street is going to lower their prices too. I mean, that is just um, you know a healthy business atmosphere. There's competition. And so, but as far as what's going to happen to NAR, it really all depends on the possible injunctions. But I think that um, the MLS will still be a very viable functioning um, part of, of the real estate industry. I mean, they, they offer a lot of benefits. How, how compensation is addressed within the MLS is, it might be different. I don't, I kind of don't feel like membership will, you know, drop in half or anything. I do think there will be a healthy um, exiting of quite a few people in the industry and they that they do not join NAR, which kind of is already happening just because of the state of the market right now. Um, you know, when dues come due, they might choose not to not to pay them. But as far as the benefits that that NAR offers, you know, and joining the MLS, I I don't know that that a lot of brokers are you know want to give that up at this point. Um, you know, they spend a lot of money lobbying for consumers, and the state and local associations offer a lot of services um, to to the agents in that state. So. I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a mass exodus. I do think they're going to lose, um, you know, maybe 10 to 20 percent, maybe a little bit more than that. 
So you bring up the MLSs and and to me there's still the the thing that I don't understand how they fit and and why they're not a, a target of this as much as any anybody else. Like I don't understand if you're talking about price fixing or a conspiracy like how how are the MLSs not part of that or or how are how might they be impacted by this? Well, I think some of them are already making changes and running, you know, independently. They're they're different there are some independently run um, MLSs and in that as and some association runs. So you've already got kind of a mix of business practices, but they all adhere to the rules of NAR um, in order to to run. And honestly, I don't know a lot about the ins and outs of the MLSs. I just know that there are definitely several different ownership. Um, styles of them. And, you know, I do remember when NAR wanted to, uh, when they, when they started realtor.com, the concern was that would be a a national MLS and it would put all the MLSs out of business. Um, That, that didn't happen, but that there's no reason to think that somebody else might not do that. Um, So, you know, CoStar is always being named as a possibility um, you know, Zillow could also also do it. Um, you know, right now the difference is they don't offer any, you know, cooperation and compensation, which is what the MLSs do. Um, so, so yeah, I'm not really, I'm not really sure, to be honest with you, how, you know, why they specifically weren't targeted. I probably should know that, but, but I don't. <laughs> it's a complicated case and it's just going to get more complicated to, you know, what I said. I mean, like now the next one here is, is nationwide and it's just, um, you have to under- have to wonder what the end game is when, um, you know, if you're talking about tens of billions of dollars, are there tens of billions of dollars left in the industry to get? I don't know. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't there at the trial. I know we had several reporters there. Um, but like, I don't really think that it was fully explained where that money goes, um, from commissions and how it's broken out and what actually goes to the agent versus the broker and what brokerage margins really are and what a lean business, um, they have to run. So I, I feel like there are a lot of opportunities to explain that. And I, again, I wasn't there, so I don't know how well that was explained. I didn't read anything about it being explained, but I do feel like if people understood where that money was going and didn't think, you know, agents were just getting this huge check all to themselves because they are not, um, you know, that, that one has to be split four different ways. And it's, um, you know, it's more if they had that information, I'm not sure that I think the jury would have taken that into consideration as well. Yeah, I did think that there could have been I wasn't there for the whole testimony, but I did think there could have been a more vigorous uh, explanation of that and defense of that. So um, I did hear the testimony of one buyer's agent um, and, you know, she made a good case, but I, I thought they could have I thought they could have done more on that because I think to your point, your average person does not understand where that commission goes. And I think in class action lawsuits, um, and, and the plaintiff's attorney definitely painted 
these big corporations and like corporate greed and all this. And I'm like, it's your, it's your neighbor, it's your sister, it's your, you know, whatever who are getting these. Um, so I think that that is an interesting, he, he, he did a good job convincing them of that. Um, despite the fact that I'm not sure that, you know, I, I wouldn't have said at the outset that would be easy to do because I'm like, but it's not just big corporations. I mean, realtors are like, yeah. you know, the person down the street and they're very involved in their communities, generally speaking. Absolutely. And they're not, and they, most of them don't make a lot of money, but of course everybody sees the HGTV, you know, million dollar brokers and these high, you know, highfalutin um, agents who are making tons of money. And that is not the norm in real estate. Um, and, and so, so yeah, I think that the public has this perception of what their, their realtor is versus what they actually are. That is a great point. You know, the selling sunset, the million dollar listing, this, the, you know, different people. I mean, compared to the agents that you and I know mostly, right. And also agents who are specifically working with first time home buyers or working with, you know, uh, buyers who maybe might be first gen home buyers. So like they're the first people in their family to buy. They're not coming with all this money, all this down payment assistance. It's a lot of work to get somebody like that a house. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in a low inventory market where there is there are affordability issues. There aren't many homes for sale. Um, you know, maybe maybe investors will start offloading some of the properties that they bought. I don't know. Maybe that'll open a little bit up, but it doesn't sound like it's really going to make any difference if they do. So According to Logan. According but. to Logan, that's true. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate your perspective as somebody who's covered this industry for so long and seen the the ups and downs and the in and outs of how we've paid buyers, brokers, um, buyers, agents, and and how brokers are, are trying to react to this. So thanks for being on. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.